0: glad to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, it's beautiful sunshine Sunday. We're going to
1: sing some songs together this morning. We're going to hear from God's Word. It's going to be a great time uh, together uh, as a body of believers. We're going to start our service as we have uh, each week with our first song, 10,000 Reasons. So if you would stand, if you're in the auditorium, you can stand at home as well. If you want, welcome to those via live stream and those listening via FM radio in our parking lot. It's going to be a great day of worship. Uh, worshiping the Lord together this morning. Let's all stand and sing 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy name. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship his holy name. Like never before, oh my soul, I worship your. Hope. Soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like this. draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending, ten thousand years and then forevermore. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. your holy name. Lord, I worship your holy name. Sing like never before. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I worship your holy i will worship your holy name lord i worship your holy name
2: let's bow together before the lord in prayer
0: father we Stand before you, ever aware of our own sin, when our thoughts are
2: focused on you as they are in this sacred moment, we consider your holiness and that you are high and lifted up and that the seraphs circle your throne and cry out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And so like your servant Isaiah, we say, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And we not only recognize our sin in light of your holiness, but the extent of our fallen struggle is seen in our experience, in our thinking, and in our speaking, and in our doing. O oh Lord, we sin in our thoughts, and our words, and our deeds. So how? How can we be rightly related to you and be restored to what you made us to be? We thank you profoundly that you are the God who, as your word says, sanctifies us through and through so that our whole spirit, soul, and body are kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Thank you, Father, for sending God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is able to save completely to the uttermost those who come to you through him. We stand before you then, aware of our sin, but eternally grateful for your grace and we've come to sing and to pray and to give and to learn and to be changed all because your grace has made us willing and longing to be pleasing to you so we ask that you accept what we offer and that you are pleased with the manner in which we do it we pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people said amen thank you please be seated And welcome again to everyone, uh, through whichever means you are participating with us, those here in our auditorium, those listening on the radio and on our campus here, and those watching by live stream. Welcome one and all. Now, I'm going to do the announcements and the scripture reading. I'm filling in for Pastor Larry because our multi-talented Pastor Larry is doing uh, work in the sound booth for us uh, today, filling in for someone else. So... I'm going to go through our announcements as quickly as I can. At the outset, I want to say to those who are guests, whether a guest here live or watching on live stream, that if we can help you in any way, if you want to send us a prayer request, if you want to know uh, more about particular ministries within our church, we have a convenient way for you to do that, and that is to text the word CBC Connect to 97,000. CBC Connect to 97,000. And as I go through these announcements, there'll be classes for which you can register. There's going to be events that you can register for. All of that can be done by doing that same thing, the CBC Connect to 97,000. Here in just a bit, in about five minutes, we're going to be starting our online children's church. That's at 1015. It's on YouTube. So parents, Just remind you to be aware of that, we have that going on here live, but then we also have it for those that are not able to be with us uh, through online. We have now for just about a year been doing a a podcast, Pastor Larry and I do one every week, and we have the latest installment every Saturday at two o'clock. This week we discuss the question, uh, can a Christian lose their salvation? So I encourage you to uh, take a listen to that, that's our That's A Good Question, podcast. We've also been doing a blog every week as well that comes out on Friday evenings. It's called the Church Matters blog. The last 3 weeks including this week, we've had a three-part series by a guest writer. And so uh, Aaron Blummer has uh, he has a site uh, a blog site of his own called Sharper Iron and he's written some very helpful articles on the issue of discernment and he has the third installment of that this week available on our website. We have events that are coming up. Let me tell you what's happening uh, this coming week. Tonight we have our community groups. Those meet on the first and third Sundays of each each month. So this is the first Sunday of the month, so our community groups do meet uh, tonight. If you're part of those, be aware of that. If you'd like to be a part of it, CBC Connect to 97000 and you can get information about that. On Wednesdays, in person, here at the ministry center every week, our senior high meets at 7 o'clock and, uh, and that, so that will be happening this coming Wednesday, and also this Wednesday, by Zoom, Dr. Combs is teaching a class on 2 Corinthians. We have two classes that are being taught for our adults in our community institute. That's the first on Wednesday evenings at 7, and then on Thursdays at 7 o'clock via Zoom, we have a class on ecclesiology. That is the doctrine of the church. Dr. Mark Snowberger is, is doing that. On the second and fourth Fridays, of every month our ladies meet for heart to heart and that is going to be happening then tomorrow tomorrow at seven o'clock that's also by zoom and our men's ministry resumes uh, this coming friday this coming friday on the uh, 12th by zoom as well there was a link sent out to our men uh, in this past friday's churchwide email also want to make uh, mention of something that i'm excited about because it's a return for our church to something that we did for a number of years and um, about which i have very fond memories as does my entire family and a number of you do here as well and that is for our church family camp we're going to return to the original place that uh, we did that for several years we're going to go to mackinaw This year just uh, really just right under the bridge is uh, where we where we stay and we're opening up registration for that starting this afternoon. So there's going to be a note that goes out uh, with a link to registration for that. I'd encourage you to take a look at that to consider it seriously. You create uh, memories that will last a lifetime. Our girls did that many of our young people created lasting bonds as a result of participating in that and it's not just those who have children at home. We call this church family camp and so it's for our entire church. Those who are empty nesters, uh, single, married, uh, everyone we encourage to come and it'll be a great time. So take a look at that this afternoon uh, when the email goes out. We have a service opportunity that we've been telling you about the last few weeks and that is we are again going to be helping needy families in the Trenton school system with Easter dinners. So we're collecting monies to put toward that. We've already had uh, a good amount contributed to that, so thank you, but those who would like to contribute, you still have a couple of weeks left to do that. And you can make that contribution the same way you can do your regular giving. And we've got several ways to do that. One is you can give online, and if you go online, there's a pull down Uh, and it says uh, general giving or general fund. There's also a selection for Easter fund as well. So you can select those, you can give that way. You can also drop off here in person. We have a box in our lobby next to our welcome center. We also have a box outside if you wanna do that during the week or you can mail your donation for either of those. Just make sure you mark it appropriately for PO Box 1290. We're in Trenton 48183. Our scripture reading today is two verses from the Song of Solomon. Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. Place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench love, rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Let's stand now and continue to worship the Lord in song.
1: Indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray finding me thine all in all Jesus paid it all oh to him I it white as snow Lord now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spot and melt the heart of white as snow And when before the throne I stand in him complete Jesus died my soul to save And my lips shall still read. Has paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. be seated.
2: Will you please turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 5, and I demonstrated what a rookie I am in giving the announcements by talking about family camp and not giving you any dates for that. That's June the 20th through the 23rd, June 20 through 23, but that'll be in the email that goes out to those on our email list this afternoon. Proverbs chapter 5, and each week we provide an outline to follow along with the message. Those of you that are here in person, we have those available at the main entry doors to the auditorium. Those watching on live stream, next to or beneath your media player, there's a button that says outline. You can obtain it that way. We're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs, and it has, in the 31 chapters that comprise this book, eight different sections. We're in the first of those eight sections, which is an introduction that goes through chapter nine, and those nine chapters contain ten lectures on wisdom, and those ten lectures set the foundation for the rest of the book's short sayings, the things that we normally associate with with Proverbs when we think of this book. Today we're looking at the eighth of those ten wisdom lessons, and it's on a topic that is much needed in the sensual culture in which we live. But it's one that's too often avoided, especially in conservative circles, because it deals with matters that we think are best left unsaid, sometimes uncomfortable, at least in public. We need to remember that the subject of today in Proverbs chapter 5, the subject is sex. And sex, we need to remember, is a gift from God. It was His idea. And so we err when we allow the world to define what sex is for us. Because the world will inevitably distort it, as a fallen world does with all of the pleasures that God created for His world. In the lesson today that we're going to see from Proverbs chapter 5, a father is instructing his son, and he assumes that the son is now old enough to experience sexual temptation and pleasure. And so he wisely teaches him by warning him of the dangers of illicit sex, but also telling him of the joys of using God's gift as God designed. And so the title of today's message at the top of your outline is Is sex used only as directed? We're going to see that today from Proverbs chapter 5. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us as we do. Father, we thank you now that we have your book open before us and that we can be taught from you through it. Thank you, Lord, for loving us enough to guide us, by giving us the light of your word, for preserving it so that we have it in our day and in our hands. Help us not to take then this privilege lightly and these sacred moments together lightly. But rather, help us to be attentive to what you say, open to what you say, changed by what you tell us in your word. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, this eighth lesson on wisdom is built on some of the previous lectures especially the second one, the second lecture that goes all the way back to chapter 2, and there we were warned of people who will try to lead us from the right path. We were taught there about wicked men and women. Now in this lesson, there's an elaboration on the dangers of an evil woman. But that's not because women are more evil than men, and I want to make that clear from the outset, because that is unfortunately something that's been taught at various times in church history with allusions going back to Eve in the Garden of Eden blaming her for tricking her husband into bringing sin into the world. The Bible places squarely the responsibility upon on Adam and the Bible nowhere teaches that one gender is worse than the other. We're not helped over the years by the King James translation of adulterous woman we're going to see in verse 3 of today's passage that it speaks of the adulterous woman but the king james version translates that the strange woman so you have this idea that there's strange women running around uh, out there and they're the the evil ones the reason that the focus is on the woman in this lesson is because the father is instructing a son and so the son's temptation will be to give in to the allure of an enticing woman. So with your outline, I say first of all this, that sexual immorality is deceptive. Sexual immorality is deceptive. Verse 1, my son, pay attention to my wisdom, turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Now when it says discretion in verse 2, it means the wise do not speak rashly, but rather they consider the consequences of what it is they're saying. The wise speak judiciously, not impulsively. One has said it this way, Lips which preserve knowledge are such as permit nothing to escape those lips which proceeds not from the knowledge of God and aims at working out that knowledge. In other words, a wise person speaks as I mentioned last week, as if he or she believes that words are sacred. That God has made us in His image. He has given us the ability to communicate unique among, in a unique way among His creatures. And so we take that ability seriously and we want to manifest a reflection of God in the way we do that. And without judicious discretion and speaking up for what's right, this son is not going to be able to withstand the enticing woman. The father is going to tell his son, in effect, the way you talk about sex is going to help determine your susceptibility to the way she talks about it. We're going to see in just a bit that she talks about it in a very flattering and deceptive way. So, son, don't get involved in locker room talk. The talk when the boys are all together in a car and boys will be boys. And here's why that's important. Verse 3. Or, because, the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Now, this woman, spoken of in verse 3 and following, is married. That's why she's called an adulterous woman. So, it's referring to a married woman because in that day, the truth is, most of the women were, were married, even if they were forced into being married. Most of the women were married. And this is a married woman, but she is committing adultery outside of her, her marriage. In that society, most of the women were married because they were dependent on men. It was a patriarchal society. And so, almost all women married. And the emphasis here is on her words because verbal enticement was more prominent than physical. Since women in the ancient Near East were, and often are today, generally covered. So it's not so much then the way she dresses, but rather the way she addresses you, son. And I say the way she does this is deceptive in the outline because it's seen in the use of the word honey in verse 3 and smooth in verse 3. Her, her lips drip honey. And it means her words come one after the other Drop of sweet seduction after drop of sweet seduction, like honey that's dripping straight from the honeycomb, the sweetest and the purest honey. That's what it's saying, her deception with her words, to you, son, is like, her flattering words mean that you are the man of my dreams and you're not the loser that my husband is, are smoother, it says, than the olive oil that was ubiquitous in Palestine. This oil, this olive oil, was used in all sorts of ways. It was used in religious observances. It was used for the anointing of priests and of kings or for the body after a bath. It was used in cooking, it was used in lamps, it was used as medicine, both internal and external. It symbolized gladness and prosperity and its absence indicated sorrow or humiliation in biblical times. So her lubricious, seductive speech draws her victim irresistibly towards mystery and excitement and delight. That's the idea here. One has said this, the point at which the horizontal speech of the woman's sexuality comes in conflict with the vertical speech of the Father's authority. Now, it's a mouthful, but as she talks to the son, now there's a conflict between what he has heard from his father. And at the point where those come into conflict is precisely the point of generational transition when the boy becomes a man. Son, this is going to be the point of testing. This is going to happen to you. You are going to be tempted in this and a myriad other ways, but this is going to be one of the most prominent ways in which you will be tempted. Be aware, be ready with what I am equipping you with. So she has the flattering speech, the smooth speech, the dripping honey, the, the smoothness of oil, but it's bitter, verse 4 says. And it's bitter in the end. Now, we're going to see, as this passage goes on, the consequences. So, the end. In the end, it's going to be be bitter. We'll see those consequences of this potential liaison beginning in verse 7. But verse 4 is saying that the enticing presentation in verse 3 changes to something else in the end. The honey becomes, verse 4, bitter as gall. It's speaking of a poisonous plant. And her smooth words, verse 4, become sharp. So, when the consequences come, and there will be consequences, and we will see them. Well, when those consequences come and there's blame to be assigned, <laughs> the one who was able to speak so eloquently and so alluringly is no longer going to be there to defend you with her words. Rather, the same mouth that seduced you can also accuse you. Recall Potiphar's wife. Some of you know that story. Genesis chapter 39 in your Bible. The Bible tells us that Joseph th- rose to a position of prominence in Pharaoh's court. He worked for a man named Potiphar, but Potiphar's wife had designs over and over. Many times the passage tells us in chapter 39 on, on Joseph, and he rebuffed her advances uh, over and over. One, and one occasion, she came to him yet again and said, go to bed with me. This time, she got physical with him and she grabbed his cloak and he ran and she held on to his cloak, but now having been scorned time and again, she made the claim that the reason I have this cloak is because he attempted to rape me. The same mouth that can seduce can also accuse. Verse 5 says, her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Verses 5 and 6, taken together, depict someone who's headed somewhere very definite on the one hand, death in the grave, verse 5 says, but verse 6 teaches that she does not know why and where. You know where she's headed, son, but she does not. The pitiful plight of those who reject God and His good gifts, like marriage and family, is that they're now outside the safe confines of God's common grace. And so they stagger through life, headed where God says all sin leads. The wages of sin, the Bible says, is death. And lacking external instruction and lacking an inner conscience... She can now no longer distinguish right and wrong, and so, without a moral compass to give her direction to true life, she strays to her death. So, friends, this is a topic, this issue of temptation, sexual temptation, sexual sin. And as we're going to see God's gift of sex later, this is a topic that God includes in His Word, and we should not shy away from talking about it appropriately. Because it's better... To hear about it from the God who made it, rather than to learn about it in a locker room from the world, which is unfortunately the way so many of us have. The intimate details we leave to men speaking to men in our ministry and women speaking to women in our ministries. But the broad outlines can and must be publicly taught and preached on when the Bible speaks to them. So let's think about this a bit. Sin minimizes and it reduces. And what that means is that we come into the world with a dimension of who we were made to be missing. There's something that we were made to be that is not whole, namely our spiritual dimension. The Bible teaches that we come into the world, we are born into this world, we are conceived in sin, and that we are spiritually dead, but God made us to be spiritually alive. He breathed, Genesis 2 and verse 7, the breath of life into Adam so that he became a living soul. That's what we were designed to be, but then Adam and Eve sin, we all come into the world as sinners, and so we are dead spiritually, and as a result of that, we are reduced now to not being what we were made to be, both physical and spiritual, but simply physical. The focus is on the material, the physical, the bodily.
0: We're reduced to animals, and we act like it. Dogs in heat when it comes to sex. Our sin
2: nature means that we both divested and directed hearts. Divested hearts and directed hearts. We're divested of the Spirit, and we now have hearts directed
0: by our own sinful desires. And so, son, you need to be different.
2: You need to be what God originally made you to be. And so you should assume when you encounter a woman, son, that she is someone else's spouse, even if she's not married. (laughs) Assume that she's going to be someone's spouse. And sex is only for you with the one you marry, not with one married to another or one who will marry another. So dating for you is not the meat market. It's not hookups. It's not one night stands, that's not what you do. Rather, when you are interacting with the opposite sex, you are searching for one that you can spend your life with, one that you can marry. Dating is for marriage. Learning to engage with the opposite sex is a skill then that needs to be taught and discussed among parents and children. But that exercise is part of the necessary preparation For marriage when I teach parenting I tell parents that the end game for you while your children are in your home is that you make them marriageable it doesn't mean that every one of them will marry not everyone marries most do not everyone does God doesn't have that for everybody but everyone should be able to be married everyone should be marriageable And that has a whole host of things that have to be taught to our children so that they can do what Genesis 2.24 says, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife and establish his home. And so your end game is for your child to become
0: marriageable. But along the way, son, children, you're going to be tempted
2: And as you are tempted, you can be tempted to have the good gift without what God says goes with it. You can be tempted to have sex without
0: relationship. And if you want sex without relationship, which is what the hookup culture is, which is what the one-night stands
2: are, which is what pornography is, sex without relationship. And if you want sex without relationship, then it literally does not matter with whom or with what you have sex with. And that's the kind of culture we live in today.
0: So those great theologians, Supertramp, said, It was an early morning yesterday, and I was up before the dawn,
2: and I really have enjoyed my stay, but I must be moving on. Like a king without a castle, like a queen without a throne, I'm an early morning lover, and I must be moving on. Goodbye, stranger. It's been nice. Hope you find your paradise. Tried to see your point of view. Hope your dreams all come true. Goodbye, Mary. Goodbye, Jane. Will we ever meet again? Feel no sorrow. Feel no shame.
0: Come tomorrow. Feel no pain. Hook up and leave again and again. Or that other great theologian, Paul Simon, said there must be 50 ways to leave your lover.
2: Just slip out the back, Jack, or make a new plan stand. You don't need to be Corey Roy. Just get yourself free. Hop on the bus and gush. You don't need to discuss much. Just drop off the keely and get yourself free. Sexual immorality is deceptive. And the deception is all around us and it doesn't include the truth of what i say secondly in the outline and that is that sexual immorality is destructive verse seven now then my sons listen to me do not turn aside from what i say keep to a path far from her do not go near the door of her house now notice verse seven says sons plural So this is so important that it's a generational issue and it's going to have effects on your family, on our family line, son and now sons, and one weak link in the generational chain can ruin the family's future. So listen, every one of you, to the same message. Do not turn away. Every son in every generation, listen, do not turn away to what I say in verse number eight. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Don't
0: put yourself in the place of temptation. Don't play the game. Don't flirt just to be cool or just to enjoy it. When you go to a, when you go to a restaurant, guys, when you talk to the waitress, Place your order and move on. Don't engage in all the chit chat. When you're at work and you're going through
2: the hallway, be polite. Leave it at that. Be professional. Leave it at that. Don't put yourself in the place of temptation. Don't talk too much. Don't drive by and she might be outside and you strike up a conversation. Don't go near her door. Don't look at the image on the screen in our day. Because it can cost you dearly. Sexual immorality is destructive in that, I say in the outline, it can lead to economic ruin. Because verse 9 says, don't do these things, in verses 7 and 8, lest... Verse 9, you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Last, strangers feast on your wealth, and your toil enrich the house of another. Now, when verse 9 says honor, it's talking about, as you can see in verse 10 where it mentions wealth, it's talking about money. We use the term honorarium. So if you have a guest speaker, you pay them a, a stipend, you pay them a compensation, we call that an honorarium. And so here, lest you lose that honor, lest you lose that money, what you've worked for, and then in turn the dignity that goes with it to others and one who is cruel. Now in the NIV that most of you have here and that I'm reading from in verse 9, it says, lest you lose your honor. But it's literally lest you give your honor. (laughs) So the NIV is kind of letting you off the hook. It's something you lost. Now it's not just something you lost, you gave it away. And you intentionally gave it away, as we're going to see, for reasons of disobedience. And you gave it away, it says in verse 9, to others and to one who is cruel. And in verse 10, to strangers and the house of another. And all of these emphasize that you have placed yourself in the hands of those outside the safe confines of your community. You've gone outside and now it's cost you. And now you're in indebtedness to people who do not have your best interest at heart now who might that be if you have this dalliance with the adulterous woman remember she's married who might that be she's married the most likely candidate is the jealous husband and his family are the likely candidates in that day Old Testament scholar Bruce Waltke says this, Evidently in this culture, the jealous husband could find compensation by making the adulterer his slave for life. No monetary payment in itself could requite him. The self-inflicted punishment of involving oneself with the unchaste wife is as bad as if outsiders plundered the house. Although sexual immorality today may not lead to slavery, It still leads to alimony and child support and broken homes and hurt and jealousy and lonely people and venereal disease. On it goes and it gets complicated and more complicated and more complicated. I've seen it. I've seen it in people's lives as I've counseled people and tried to help them. I'm counseling you now, friends, before it happens. This week, I will be participating in a friend of the court hearing, not for myself, with someone else. If you're familiar with friend of the court, what an unhappy existence that is. What a mess. And ends to iron out money issues. Sexual immorality can lead to economic ruin and, I say in your outline, to social regret. Verse 11, at the end of your life you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say, how I hated discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. Notice the first person singular, I, in verses 12 through 14. I did this despite all I was given. I rejected the teaching of my upbringing with the loving chastisement that went with it in verse 12. And in verse 13, I rejected the teachers in addition to the teaching. You notice that? I rejected what I was taught and I rejected those who taught it to me. Verse 13, I would not obey my teachers, would not turn my ear to my instructors. And so he's allowed himself to be lured into the hands of outsiders, but now has perhaps the more difficult task of facing his own community. When one from the community of faith goes astray, those who care for them call them back to repentance. Sometimes they return, as it appears this one has, given that he's taking personal responsibility. I did this. But now he has to face the shame verse 14 says
0: and i was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of god's people i've seen this happen over and over and over
2: a young person sins and they do not want to face the shame of those who have nurtured them and brought them up, and so they abandon the church, due in part to the embarrassment. They sometimes go back and forth between accepting responsibility and deflecting it to others.
0: If the youth group had been better or different, it wouldn't have happened. I've seen it many times. But they wind up estranged. Either way, from those, the very people who have nurtured and loved them. Sexual immorality is deceptive. It's destructive. And,
2: or I should say but, in contrast to that, sexual morality is delightful. Sexual morality is delightful. Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? What those six verses are saying is that here is the outlet for sexual expression. Marriage is the only biblical means for sexual desire to be requited. That's why the Song of Solomon, from which we read earlier, says a refrain a number of times in the eight chapters of that book, Do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. In your New Testament, the Apostle Paul gave instruction on marriage and upon sexuality and interaction between male and female. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he talks about the necessity of marriage and the things, the good things that marriage does. And at one point in that chapter, he's talking about those who are single. And whether or not those who are single have the normal desire to be married. And with it, normal sexual desire. And if that's the case, here's what he says. If they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn. Now, now that's the way the King James Version leaves it. it's Better to marry than to burn. And so a lot of people have taken that to mean, well, it's better to get married than go to hell. That's not much to recommend marriage, is it? But actually what it means in the context is it's better to marry than to burn, not in hell, but to burn with desire. And that's why the NIV helpfully adds this, if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Why is the Bible saying that? Because this is the one outlet. Biblical marriage. A Christian person to a Christian person. And then when that happens now, sex can be exercised as God's good gift that it was intended to be. We do marriage counseling, pre- premarital counseling for our young people before they get married. Uh, we use material that has a lesson in it on this issue. And in the lesson on sexual relationship, it says that the Bible teaches that there are three purposes for sexual relationship procreation obviously to have children procreation but also protection that is and paul teaches this in first that chapter that i just read from first corinthians chapter 7 that having your own wife having your own husband is to be a protection from being involved with those who are not there's procreation and protection but then there's also this third one pleasure And the pleasure piece has been missed in Christianity for centuries, making the sexual relationship to be a more utilitarian act.
0: But hear this, it only protects if it's pleasurable. So husbands and wives, the Bible
2: is counseling you, I'm counseling you from the Bible, to then make your physical relationship with one another such that it is that so that it is pleasurable, so that it does serve as a protection. We've gone so far to try to avoid this idea that God gave this good gift for one of His purposes being pleasure, that the Song of Solomon, which is all about this, has been allegorized. You know what I mean by that? It's been taken to mean something different than what it just obviously means. That it's about the engagement and then the and then the wedding, and then the marriage of a Jewish young man and a Jewish young woman in the Old Testament. As I read through the Song of Solomon for today's reading, I was reminded how many phrases in that book have been applied to Christ when they're really about one's fiancé and then spouse. Song of Solomon chapter 2 speaks of the lily of the valley, but a popular song that we used to use when I was growing up in my Pentecostal church said, I found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me, he's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul, that fairest of 10,000, that comes from Song of Solomon. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see, all I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. The lily of the valley, the fairest of 10,000, all of that in the Song of Solomon is about the engagement and the marriage. Marriage has its physical pleasures, and it was designed to provide that. But one has helpfully said this, sex is like fire. In the fireplace, it keeps us warm. Outside the fireplace, it burns the house down. Proverbs 5 is saying, keep the fire in the marital fireplace. But within that marital fireplace, stoke the fire as hot as you can. So some of you, especially our young people, Some of you need to recalibrate in a few ways. Let me give you a couple of ways that some of our young people need to recalibrate. Not all of you, because many of you are doing what God says the norm is. But if you have sexual desire and you know that the outlet for that is biblical marriage, then you are interacting with members of the opposite sex and you're dating as a means to accomplish that. That's the way that should go and many of you have done that we've had over the last few years a number of our young people and our couples get married we're very thankful for that if that's what god has for them but some of you need to recalibrate in a couple of ways one
0: guys stop expecting real women to measure up to fake women you guys know what i mean you see the women in the advertisements the
2: women on the screen The women on the porn sites, these are not real women. These are women who have their bodies implanted and injected. It's not real. Stop expecting real women to measure up to fake women. And
0: here's a second thing some of you need to do. You need to stop assuming that you're all that. I can't tell you how many times I've heard she's not my type or he's not my type.
2: I mean, okay, cowboy, but (laughs) maybe just step back and reevaluate for a second. Think about what you're bringing to the table here, okay? I mean, really, who do some of us think we are? (laughs) Some of us are way overmarried, me for one. And that's obvious, I've gotten that for years.
0: Really? And so I'm very thankful at God's grace. But stop with
2: thee. I've got to find this like, perfect woman until you become the perfect man. Or I've got to find the perfect man until you become the perfect woman, which none of us are. Sexual morality is delightful. And also, and lastly,
0: demanded. God Almighty demands it. So Demand it from the God who knows all, I say in your outline.
2: Verse 21, for your ways are in full view of the Lord, and He examines all of your paths. So remember, as you hear me often say, friends, that in every relationship there are always at least three persons, and God is always the most important. And it's he that has designed his world such that one does what the Bible says. And if one does what the Bible says, as we've seen, they will experience those delights. If not, the God who made it sees it. God knows all and God judges all. Verse 22, the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline they will die, led astray by their own great folly. The New Testament says this, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked.
0: A man reaps what he sows. Here's your take-home truth. Sex is good when used, as directed. Let's bow before the Lord. Father, we thank you again for instructing us. Thank you for giving us your word, your book.
2: And thank you, Lord, for instructing us on all that is needed for life and godliness, not just eternal life. You have told us what is necessary in order to have the gift of eternal life, but you have also instructed us about how to live life now in the here and now. And as a result, you have addressed all of the issues that are of importance to your people. Your word speaks to everything, either directly by precept or indirectly by principle, And you have given us a very direct teaching upon this good gift that you have provided in the physical relationship of man to woman in the bonds of marriage. And so help us to be people then who see that, who believe that, who embrace that, and then pursue that. As a result of that, may we be a church family full of families that model that to the next generation. And Lord, for those of us who have sinned, For those of us who have not gone this way, perhaps we were not instructed in this way, and now you have brought us to yourself, but we have experienced some of the consequences of going on the wrong path. Help us to be people who use that for the benefit of the next generation. To have the humility to tell them, don't do what I did. And as a result of that, may they be instructed profitably as well. Lord, we thank you for loving us enough to instruct us. And now help us to love you enough to obey what you've said. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together for our closing song.
1: Less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. his lovely face i rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil on christ the solid rock i stand all of the ground is sinking sand all of the ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Oh, may I then in Him be found Dressed in His righteousness alone Faultless to stand before the throne On Christ the solid rock I stand All of the ground is sinking sand All of the ground is I, rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand All of the ground is sinking
2: sand. The God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, church
0: family and guests, for being with us. Have a great week serving.